Voice of Hope is a podcast of New Hope Presbyterian Church of Castle Rock, Colorado. New Hope is a church that puts people first. You can listen to our sermons and podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and any other popular podcast platforms. This week, Pastor Russ brings us a sermon called Spoiler Alert. It comes from John chapter 10, verse 10, and John chapter 20, verses 30 through 31. You may have had that experience, you certainly will this week, where you'll be watching the news, or you will be wanting to know about the Olympics, and someone will be wanting to tell you about it, but on the news they'll say, by the way, spoiler alert, if you don't know what's going to happen and you want to watch it in, real t- in, in your own time, you might want to turn off the TV because we're going to tell you what happened. Since we are halfway across the globe and the time zones are different, there's that part of wanting to watch and to enjoy, and we don't want to necessarily have people tell us what's going to happen. We kind of want to experience it for ourselves. The same is true, isn't it, when you're reading a good book, and somebody says, oh, I've read that book, and you go, no, no, don't, don't tell me. I still remember, I still bear the scars of of watching a movie, the, the great Star Wars, the original, the real Star Wars trilogy, and, and in the second one, getting ready, and all the anticipation after the, after the worldwide phenomena, the first one, and getting ready to watch the second one, and somebody telling me, before I went, can you believe it was his father? <laughs> it's like, wait, what? Why would you tell me that? <sighs> Spoiler alerts are really important. Because otherwise, they spoil the experience of the moment, and sometimes it becomes anticlimactic. Why would I watch this game if you've already told me who wins in double overtime? Sometimes, though, sometimes, though, a spoiler alert is not just welcome, it's needed. It is essential. Who has ever tried to do a puzzle? And you've got all these pieces... And when you turn the box over and see the picture on the front, that doesn't feel like a spoiler alert, right? That feels like kind of essential equipment here. I want to know what all these pieces are supposed to look like, or if you were trying to build something and needed a blueprint. Or if you are trying to tell people about the most important thing that ever happened in the history of the world in the book of John. John has both kinds of spoiler alerts. The one that that keeps it so that you, there is the suspense of your life, but then that there is also the thing that helps put your life together. This is what it's supposed to look like, so that it's not anticlimactic. There's a sense of anticipation, of leaning in, that's essential, and they're connected. We're going to be taking a look at the book of John in the next couple months, at least through Easter, maybe a week or two beyond that. And I want to give you a spoiler alert. It's about life. John tells us that. You heard Allie read it. You heard Allie read at the end of it all, as this, as this book has been put together, why is this here and what's it about? Jesus did many amazing things in his disciples' presence and things that aren't recorded in this scroll. Evidently, there's been editing, right? There's been things we decided to leave and we didn't need to cover. Why? Because this has a particular purpose. These things are written so that you will believe that Jesus is the Christ, God's Son, and that believing you will have life 
in his name. It's not a secret if you've been paying attention and walk through it. In the middle of the book, there's Jesus himself telling people, says, I came so that people could have life, and, and indeed so they could have life to its fullest, the most flourishing, the most vibrant, the most abundant. That, that's why I came. And it's not a secret even if you just open up the very first pages and the very first words of the book of John, those words that we read every year at Christmas. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was with God in the beginning. Everything that was made was made through the Word, and without the Word, nothing came into being. And then these words, what came into being through the Word was life. And that life was the light for all people. Spoiler alert. This is about life. And this was put together so that people could have life. And the choices of the stories and the sayings that are there, what was in there and, and not in there, makes John unique. John is such a unique book. You would be forgiven if you looked at the book of John and read through it and you read through the other Gospels and you go, wait a minute, there's a guy named Jesus in both of these, but this is so very different. And some people have despaired and said, well, this can't even be accurate. This can't even be be, be part of it. This had to be something else that was added on, and there's all kinds of debates and arguments about that. It doesn't need to be. This book, these sayings, this story, was put together so that people could have life. It was put together in a community that had been marinated, that had been saturated by the love and the life of God that created this community and this community put it together and offers it. If you want to know what life's about, here, read this stuff. These are the stories that are critical and crucial to us. These are the sayings that are critical and crucial to us. This is the alternative to we want you to be informed. Or we want you to be good, or worse, we want you to be religious. Or we want you to be right. There are places for writings that help us get thinking in our right way and, 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 and all of that and get the right theology and doctrines and dogmas. There's a place, it's just not in John. John is here so that you and I can experience and be part of and participate in the very life of God. Sometimes because of the way we put things together and because we think everything has to match and, and, and be consistent, we, we take books and we take the book of John particularly and we cut off pieces here and we smoosh pieces here. And so when we think about life, we think about, oh yeah, I know that when I die, I go to heaven. And John is saying, you've missed it. I'm not talking about the life that happens after you die. I'm talking about the life that occurs before you die. When you catch it, when you understand that God is with you, when you understand that God is in our midst, or as, as one theologian that I love a lot says, where Jesus is, there is life. Well, put that on a bumper sticker. Where Jesus is, there is life. There is abundant life, vigorous life, loved life, eternal life. Not only the life that transcends death, but also the life before death. This is not a book that's inviting people to punch their tickets so that there is a reservation waiting for them on the other side of the grave. 
This is a book that's inviting you to begin to live differently now, to partake now of the life that has no end, that not even death can touch. Spoiler alert. It's about life. And it's about the life that is being offered to us. And the book of John is both a product of and an invitation to that same life. Not so that we can know about Jesus, but so that we can know Jesus. And the source, the source is, we're told, the, the one beloved disciple. It's traditionally, we understand that to be the, the John. It never identifies that's the person, but that's the implication. This is coming through someone who knew Jesus, who knew the heart of Jesus. And so as John is reflecting back and his own experience, he's able to say, boy, right from the beginning, the, in the beginning was the word, the, the essence, the, the expression of God that was involved in part of creation and was God itself and, yet when, and then also somehow became flesh. So if you want to know what God is about, Jesus reveals God. Jesus reveals the heart of God. Jesus is the final word on God. And Jesus' life is an invitation to know the life of God. Which I have found to be helpful. Which I have found to be terribly important. I have become suspicious. I have become suspicious of people who claim to speak for God. And they speak with authority and they say this is what God's about. And, and, and yet it seems to have nothing of Jesus in it. They speak authority about this is the way you're supposed to live and this is what you can do and this is what you can't do and this is how you know you're in and this is how you know you're out. It's by our interpretation of this and, and, and as well reasoned and with all the enthusiasm that's there, it just rings hollow because you look at these people and, and you look at who are coming in the name of God and you go, there's no Jesus in this. Be very suspicious of anyone who's claiming authority on your life. What you do, what you believe, what you should, how you, what you can and can't do and believe and not believe, how you're in, how you're out, how you belong and how you're excluded. If it doesn't somehow ring true to Jesus. John Philip Newell has this wonderful story of a woman who came up and talked about her experience in church. And she was in this church that felt very rigid and stultifying. And talked about the day she left the church. She talked about in the middle of a service, a dog walked in. And just kind of sauntered up right to the front. Sniffed around. And left. She said, that was it. I left. She said, Some, there was something about this place that didn't smell right to the dog. It didn't smell right to me. And she left. There is something in the heart of the sniff test, isn't there? There should be something that passes the sniff test. Ah, this has got Jesus in it. This has got the love of God. This has got the heart of Christ in it. I am suspicious of when people hold up their Bibles 
and tell me things that have nothing to do with the Jesus that I have come to know. And it happens on the left, and it happens on the right, and it happens in the middle, and it happens with conservative churches. It happens in progressive churches. This is non-denominational stuff. It happens to whoever them is, and it happens to us. How do we know the litmus test? The litmus test always, always, always is. How does this line up with Jesus? Because there is a huge difference between learning and knowing about Jesus and all the stuff. And let me tell you, there are shelves of books talking about Jesus and what Jesus is about. And then there is something that is unique, that is personal, where God can be known. You know that. If somebody wants to know about you, they can Google you. They can get the statistics about you. They can find your birth certificate. They can find where you work, your social security number, if they try hard enough. They can find out where you shop, what you buy. Someone to know you. Come close. They need to have stayed with you. They need to know what that laugh means and doesn't mean. They need to know what that, when your voice halts at a certain place, what that means. They need to know what the silences mean and what the, the noises mean. They need to know what the gestures mean. And then they know you. Sometimes that's family, but how many people have gone through a family and go, they don't know me? So John uses a special friend. And at the end, he's inviting people, and Jesus uses the words, I now call you friends. John is an invitation to know God by becoming friends. People who get Jesus, people who get God, people who get the heart of God. And it can be known. That's what John's all about. It can be known. Jesus knew him, and we can know him too. When, when we talk around here, as we have this past year, about becoming the people of hope, and there are those pesky, keep talking about, why do you keep talking about these things, Russ? It's not so that we can become good, and it's not so that we become religious. It's not so that we become more acceptable. It's because these are the practices. These are the things that people have done. These are the time-tested habits that people have engaged in so that they can know God and experience life. If they don't do that, get rid of them. If the gathering you're in isn't leading you into being nurtured by and committed to your growth, find another gathering or, or invest yourself in it in a different way. Same with prayer. If you've got a, a practice of prayer that bores you to death, guess what? God's probably bored with it too. Find a different way to connect. If the things you're learning are boring or just feel burdensome, find something that lifts your heart. And if service feels like drudgery, you're probably not doing the people you're serving a whole lot of good either. Find something that, that grabs your, the soul, your heart, and gives it away because then, then you'll begin to catch the heartbeat of God. You'll begin to catch it as Jesus did it. So we get to pay attention. 
we can pay attention to what's going on in the book of John. We can pay attention to what's going on in our own life. Because this isn't about just knowing God 2,000 years ago what people did. This is about knowing God and being invited to be a friend with God right now. And so if you find yourself, and, and one of the places is listening to the passions, the other is the, the discontents. And if you find yourself this week ahead of, and just being dismayed at the way people use power and how they abuse power and how they dominate and subjugate, and somehow success has to do with how people have used power to overcome other people, and it doesn't smell right. That's because when Jesus wanted to show who he was, he was washing feet. And he was becoming a servant. And he was inviting anyone who wanted to know him to do the same. If you find your Even the blind spots of language that are part of our English Bible. Go to the part where it talks about the story of the woman caught in the act of adultery. Now, that was an add-on. The words, that, those weren't in the original. But they show our blind spot, don't they? They said, that's what this is about. My guess over the years is that if Jesus were to name it, he would call this story, this is the story, proud caught in hypocrisy. Pay attention to where Jesus shows up. When somebody says, this is what the Bible says, and this is what you have to do, and this is what you have to believe, or you're not in, or you're not good, or you're not going to heaven, or somehow God doesn't love you if you do this, and this is what it means, and, and it feels like it's just narrowing and being more rigid, Pay attention to where Jesus is when he tells his disciples, look, this is how they're going to know you're my disciples. It's that you love one another. And if you feel overwhelmed by the problems of the world and feel like there's really nothing you can do, pay attention to the way that John tells the story of the feeding of the 5,000 where people are overwhelmed and go, this is too great for us. And then there's this one part where a little boy offers what little he has. Peter says, Andrew says, that, he, but obviously that won't make a difference. And Jesus takes it and makes it enough. Pay attention. Pay attention to those places in our world that seems so torn and seems so divided and it feels like there is no hope of reconciliation and there is only alienation and we're just going to tear ourselves apart and there's no place that we can go. Pay attention to this place where Jesus calls people and around the table with people who are as diverse as any group that has ever met They find reconciliation. They find life. I came, Jesus says. I came so that people could find life. I came so people could find life that's vibrant, abundant, vigorous. I came so that people could find life, the kind of life that is resilient, so that not even, not even death overcomes it. And this is the life that's being offered 
This is where people of hope find their hope. It's in the spoiler alerts of John. And when we read this, as we live differently, it's not because somehow that John has become anticlimactic. This is, doesn't spoil the end of the story. This now becomes part of the beginning of a new story. It heightens our anticipation. This is where life starts to come together. This is what we, oh, that's what it's supposed to look like. This is what it's supposed to look like. Ah, this is what I'm yearning for. And this is where it begins. I can't wait for what's next. Thank you for listening to Voices of Hope. If you've enjoyed our podcast, please rate and review it and share it with your friends. Go in peace and have a wonderful week.